because I was really digging deep to try to find what I needed to do to help my son. And to be told that he's number six, that's like finding a needle in a haystack. But I knew in my gut there had to be more people out there. Hi, I'm Alana. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Wait, How Do You Spell That? A rare disease podcast produced by Patient Worthy. Today, we are very excited to have a very special guest. We are here at Rare Disease Week. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I am Monica Weldon. First and foremost, I'm the mother of Beckett Weldon, Mm -hmm. uh, and he was diagnosed the sixth person in the world in 2012 with a gene mutation called SYNGAP1. (laughs) S-Y-N-G-A-P-1, which is an acronym for synaptic geopase activating protein. Mm -hmm. Um, I am the president, CEO, and founder of the organization Bridge the Gap, SYNGAP Education and Research Foundation. We were the first organization in the world to raise awareness, uh, advocate, and drive research for SYNGAP1. Uh, we are the largest uh, organization in the world uh, uh, to be advocating for SYNGAP1. So I'm happy to be here, and thank you so much for for letting me come and share. Of course. That's incredible. And um, we know that the foundation was founded in 2014. Would you mind talking a little bit about what, I guess, the steps to its founding? Obviously, it was... Uh, the catalyst was your son, I imagine, but how did you get there and, and where have you gone since 2014? Because it seems like you've gone very far as an organization. Oh, well, thank you. I, you know, uh, okay, a little craziness <laughs> probably uh, that, that, that kind of got me there. But he, yes, Beckett, um, Beckett was diagnosed when he was four years old. And um, when it, the, the time came, when the geneticist uh, had the results and uh, he had one paper uh, that stated that SYNGAP1 caused intellectual disability and um, he he handed it to me and and my question to him was, what, what, what? This is the 21st century, you know, the human Mm -hmm. genome has been mapped. How do you not know anything about this disorder? You know, because, you know, when you go to your doctors, they're your hope, right? And I realized driving home the day that uh, my son, uh, we got his diagnosis. And it was probably the loneliest, the most helpless time that I've ever had in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Because I knew what we were dealing with. Uh, At the time, we had no idea he was having seizures. Wow. uh, they, you know, went through doctors and said, oh, sh- you know, you know, he's not having any seizures and pick anything up on an hour EEG. Um, we just, I just didn't have a doctor that would listen, you know, mm-hmm. with the symptoms. It was just helpless. I mean, you, you have these flashbacks like, oh my God, you have a name for this disorder, but no one knows anything about it. Yeah. And, um, I went home, I cried I probably curled up in a ball. Uh, I realized, you know, some, something inside me after about two days of just boohooing and crying. I couldn't even go to school. Uh, I, I just didn't know what to do um, because you go to the doctors and they think that you think, oh, they're going to help you. Yeah. 
And um, uh, my, my background is in science. I have a degree in biology, and, and I taught school for 23 years. And mm-hmm. actually, I love genetics. I always wanted to go back to be a genetics counselor, but I had way too many kids to uh, <laughs> for that to ever happen. But um, I decided, I guess, either I could wallow in my self-pity, I could wallow in the helplessness, and um, isn't that crazy? I, I watched I watched this the, the movie... Uh, where we're the field of dreams. Oh yeah. You build it and they will come. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought about that and I said, I've got to be crazy. I've got to do something. What mm-hmm. do I do? And that's when I went online and actually I found RDLA, RDLA first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were doing like a rare disease thing. I had just missed it. Um, oh. Uh, the, the sign up uh, because we got his diagnosis in December and then I was like I don't have money to go to Washington mm-hmm. um, but then I reached out uh, to, to some people and started understanding a little bit more about what it meant to have a nonprofit. and I wrote an email uh, with this I took the paper and I reached out to the, the primary the first author which was Dr. Jacques Michaud uh, from Montreal University who discovered Syngap-1 in humans in 2009 from this paper. And uh, that email, he goes, well, I know one other research scientist who's dabbling in it. He's a, he's a junior fellow, or he, he, he was a fellow, uh, but just he didn't have his really own lab or anything yet and mm-hmm. had moved to Scripps. Uh, from what I understand, I can't remember exactly all the details. He goes, but he's just dabbling in it. And, um, and why don't you email him? And this is before the organization, because I was really, really digging deep to try to find what I needed to do to help my son. Mm -hmm. And to be told that he's number six, that's like finding a needle in a haystack. Mm -hmm. And But I knew in my gut there had to be more people out there. So I emailed Dr. Gavin Rumbaugh at Scripps Scripps Research Floor in Florida. And I waited, and I waited, and Mm -hmm. I waited, and I kind of gave up. You know, just it's almost like you just surrender to the fact that you're not going to get any help, and you go through those that emotional roller coaster. And then in May, I still have the email that he sent me, apologizing, saying, "I'm so sorry that you got this diagnosis for your son." And uh, we spoke, but he 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 we started talking about the symptoms and it was almost like, well, the only way you're going to get anything done is you're going to have to start an organization. Well, I'm like looking around (laughs) going, are you talking to me? (laughs) Me. I don't, I I am a school teacher now, not knocking school teachers because honestly Mm -hmm. you're running a business in a classroom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you've got many different personalities to deal with and, and teaching is a hard job. Mm-hmm. I did it for 23 years, and, and I think dealing with parents is sometimes <laughs> worse than dealing with the students. But I didn't have a business background. I, had, I knew nothing about starting an organization. So during that time, from 2012 to the time I pretty much said, I either, I won't use curse words, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I either have to you know, poop or get off the pot, right? <laughs> 
And I said, I've got to do something after, you know, you know, after Gavin had said, you know, you're going to have to start an organization. And I was like, why can't, why can't it be me? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, no one else is doing this. I know there has to be more. Uh, and within about the same time, I had another parent that had a diagnosis. Actually, I think she, her little girl was diagnosed in, in a little later in 2009, but she had gone to the internet um, and I had blogged the, the, mm-hmm. during this time, uh, Beckett's Journey, which is now a book called mm-hmm. Slow, um, My Special Boy, Slow, Mo- Slow Moving Stream, because that's what his name means. We oh, named wow. him before he was born, and Beckett means slow moving stream. Wow. And, so, and he is. He's definitely a slow moving stream. So I blogged, and she found my blog online, and she goes, well, I know one other parent that lives in Alaska that has Syngap 1. And I was like, okay. So she goes, well, let's do a Facebook group. So we started a Facebook group with three people. Wow. wow. <laughs> One at a time. One at a time. Yes. And, and, it, and, and it has grown now. Uh, we, we probably have about 680. Wow. But uh, in, in, in our Facebook group, including families, mm-hmm. we probably have found about 350, maybe 400 confirmed uh, Syngap One cases since uh, mm-hmm. since we've 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 started the organization um, and, and tried to reach the world uh, to find more. Um, and uh, I read that big long book. It took me two years to really understand the business strategy around running a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. What needed to happen? What the business plan was? Where we needed to go? I needed to start educating myself on the drug development. Uh, how am I going to get a treatment? Who do I need to put in place? And so I, I just, I didn't, I had nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. I just dove right in and a piece of advice um, that I was given early on is if you want to be successful, you follow successful people mm-hmm. and, and, and you do what they do. You, you mock and emulate everything that they do. And it is hard. There is no easy way around this at all it was working late into the night I taught I taught school for 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 two two and a half years uh full-time and then at night you know I'd get the kids ready homework feed feed the kids put them to bed and then from about 8 30 sometimes till two or three o'clock in the morning I was researching I was reading these research papers I was trying to find scientists I um Groups, I, 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 I was a sponge because knowledge is power. I was yeah. a teacher. How did you make that sustainable in your lifestyle, especially <laughs> over like a long period of time? With multiple children. Oh, it's my like gosh. Special well, I have to say, and, I, and, I, and, I, and uh, a lot of people ask me this. This, this, mm-hmm. this was a calling. This was yeah. a God, this, this, this was a God calling for me. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, I, I probably sometimes cuss like a sailor, but I do have a strong faith. Um, this was a passion and and I knew that first and foremost no I had to accept the fact that what I was doing before I ever started may never ever help Beckett that is a hard pill to swallow um because when you do something like this when you have a calling uh you do it uh not for self-serving purposes you have you're doing it for the greater good 
And hopefully, you know, I mean, you still have that glimmer of hope that what you're doing is going to help. And it actually has because, you know, he has a better quality of life now because now we know he's having seizures. Yeah. And he was being, he was treated and, and, and he's a thriving little boy now. I mean, you know, he still has intellectual disability. We still have our moments, but it's nothing compared to what we were living with before we ever started. And, um, you, you just have to have the attitude that you are going to make, uh, uh, take those lemons and you got to make lemonade and it is hard. It is hard. Sustainable. I had to quit my job teaching mm-hmm. and it was a godsend because, you know, we had some things happen in our, in our own family life with, which allowed me, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, uh, uh, not have that income anymore. And, um, and then, you know, as time went on going full time, has grown the organization and has probably been the best thing to um, become a worldwide uh, leading organization uh, for Syngap One. It is a dedication, you know, and, and, and I have a strong will. Yeah. It's, if anyone wants a, an organization, uh, it's okay to rest, but mm-hmm. my motto is you never stop. You mm-hmm. can't. And probably until the day I die, when I'm six feet under, I will probably come back and haunt some people <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to take over because um, you, you put people, you know, you live and you learn, you know, uh, as, you, as you grow to the next steps of an organization. Uh, you you want to maintain, of course, funding. You mm-hmm. want to hi- be able to hire people and experts that can take on Mm -hmm. the roles. I think there's a big misconception about nonprofits uh, not having overhead. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You have to. Mm -hmm. You have to have overhead uh, because you've got to have those people working your programs. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, you have different mindsets and, and that become struggles and challenges as you move forward, but you just have to keep moving. Uh, and I'm very tenacious and I, and if you want me to prove you wrong, I will, <laughs> uh, because I, I just believe that where there's a will, there's a way you look at all the challenges and you don't see it as a challenge. You see it as a learning, learning mm-hmm. experience. And, um, that's how I ran my classroom. You know, it's been life changing for me, but I love it. I love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> and, um, I hope that one day that, that my little boy, you know, his life will leave a legacy. You know, we're pioneers. And if you think about pioneers, they took all the arrows, right? Yeah. And uh, it's, not, it's not fun being a pioneer. But if you think about all the, the, the trails that people blaze forward um, and you never succumb to fear, mm-hmm. you can do anything in the world. And, and I totally wholeheartedly believe that. So that's, uh, that's kind of... My story in a nutshell, yeah, a little nice. bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, but yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Can you talk about some of the exciting moments for uh, Bridge the Gap? Uh, oh <laughs> my goodness, we have exciting moments all the time. <laughs> um, probably the biggest thing for our organization and the very first grant I ever wrote, we won. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, I was like, you want to talk about a confidence builder? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, it, and it was the most important grant probably for our organization to move things forward. Um, 
was our database. We mm-hmm. ended up being chosen as one of the, the 20 groups initially that the FDA funded Nord uh, to provide a platform, uh, a natural history platform. Mm-hmm. And we launched it in De- Christmas Day, December of 2016. And since that time, we've gone from maybe 20, 30 people in the database. Now we have over 279 wow. Uh, a little over 210 consented. I have not checked it in a while, Um, but I'm also the primary investigator on that. And and that's uh, that's kind of, guys, we're we're, we're fortunate because I do understand the science um, to to some extent and data because that's what I did. I I, I did environmental research before, actually, I I did um, the the research that that I'm helping with on the projects that we're partnering with with other academic institutions. That was a game-changer. Um, within 18 months, uh, we, from one video that I sent Dr. Gavin Rumbaugh of my son, uh, which was a, like I said, I go blind. I don't have any expectations. So I kind of didn't know what I did. I just went with it Mm -hmm. and I sent him this video and he was, um, my son's puppy was chewing on his fingers. And drawing blood, I mean, had, had, had chewed his fingers up to where they were almost hamburger meat. And um, I couldn't understand why he continued because I would, now I would never do this, but I would want to launch the dog if she bent, if she bit yeah. me like that. I mean, you just don't, I mean, right. the, the pain, yeah, like needles. Mm-hmm. And now I would never do that. I love animals. <laughs> uh, but uh, I sent this video and I said, You've got to tell me why he's not responding to pain. Mm-hmm. He would burn himself and not pull away. I mean, he, he would have blisters. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we, he sent me a couple, you know, 10 questions to post on our Facebook group to begin. And we realized it was a trend that our kids were not feeling pain. Mm-hmm. They weren't responding to pain uh, issues. Well, he ended up going back to his lab and looking at the animal, this mm-hmm. the, the animal model, mm-hmm. and realized... He, he was looking at the hippocampus, but he went back and looked at the frontal somatic cortex, mm-hmm. and what they found was a total fluke. They had no idea. They were they, totally something unexpected about wow. this protein. Uh-huh. Well, the, the protein in the frontal somatic cortex of the brain of the, of the animal models in SYNGAP1 was depressed. Uh-huh. And that has everything to do with sensory processing. Mm-hmm. That ended up, we took those 10 questions, we put them in the database under our IRB, we validated the genetic mutation with uh, the people who answered the questions with the gene mutation, Mm -hmm. sent it back. We ended up getting published in Nature for finding oh, wow. the sensory processing oh, my mechanism. Goodness. We did all that in eighteen months. Yeah, that is insane. And 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 I now I, it's funny about though about the Nature thing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what that was because I was a school teacher. I was like, oh, oh we're gonna go get a Nature Nature <laughs> magazine and we're gonna look at a bunch of pictures of Nature. And they were like, no, this is like Nature neuroscience. Yeah, Nature's like it, that's really exciting. It's it, also just that um, I know pain is like such a big. Um, you know, research field for a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I think with a lot of rare conditions, it's like when you're studying a rare condition, you find research that has big implications for a huge range. This was Mm -hmm. one. This ended up and what they believe, what they theorize is that now that we have found that this protein in our patients, Mm -hmm. this links to sensory processing disorder, we now think it could possibly overlap into a mechanism in some other autism-related disorders. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it just opened up a whole new yeah. door of questions 
uh, that that are good questions that mm-hmm. could possibly help help other other diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gives you chill bumps because I didn't realize. And they made me an author on this paper. So wow. I'm a, an author on this nature paper. And just because I had scientists listening to the patient yeah. voice, yeah. it's all about being patient worthy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 we have value and we have some of those pieces of the puzzle that can get us to treatments faster. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm a huge advocate uh, for the patient voice. Um, I mean, we're, we, we have these things that have happened with the, the organization and the research and the breakthroughs within the last five and a half years. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's all because you just don't stop. You don't fear. You ask questions and you make people listen if they don't listen. Mm-hmm. Because somebody's going to listen. I will, I will hop. If you're not going to listen to me, then I'm going to go to somebody who does. And guess mm-hmm. what? We're going to change the world together. You can miss out, but we're going to do mm-hmm. this together. I mean, that's, that's just my attitude. You know, it's kind of like asking for money and, and donations and funding. <laughs> Eventually somebody's going to say yes, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So. And you've built the community too. I mean, to be able to connect with so many other people and, and families with the same condition. I mean, that's huge when so many physicians have probably seen none, maybe one patient. Yeah. And so then they, they can't extrapolate from that one case to say, well, all, every patient with this has. And you that's what you did. I mean, you were informed the researchers. You connected yeah. them to the families. You went from what, do you said the sixth? He was He's number the six. six. And, wow. and, and look now, look at you. Wow. It is. It, it has been, I, this is a God thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, try not to get too crazy, you know, you know, <laughs> about that. But this is really, I mean, yeah. this is a God thing. Because mm-hmm. there's no way in the world that any of this would have happened without doors opening that I could never open before. Mm-hmm. Or, I, or I didn't think would be opened. Um you know, now we're putting together centers of excellence. Now, if you believe in something, people will believe in you too. You know, don't ever doubt yourself. We have people in, in our community that are suffering. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I live it too, you know, when I'm home. You know, I, I, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't use the talents and the skill set that I had to do good for other people because that's what it's about. I don't know. It's, it's crazy how, how things have worked. But now, you know, USA Today uh, published an article about, uh, on, on the largest autism genomic study ever done. And Syngap-1 is ranked first in, 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 in tie with two other genes for being one of wow. the top two top out of three uh, single gene mutations linked to autism in the world. And, um, it is, I never expected this. I never, I I didn't have any expectations, but I knew that I needed to do what I needed to do to try to get help for my little boy, but also the community because I knew there was more out there. I just knew it. And there is. (laughs) Also, I meant to ask this earlier, but could you tell us a little bit about Syngap? Sure. Uh, well, Syngap, uh, one is, is a, is a gene and it creates a Syngap protein, which is synaptic geopase activating mm-hmm. protein. Um, this little protein kind of hangs out in what they call the postsynaptic density. It's between the dendrites and, and the axon of, of the neurons. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the most abundant protein in the brain. When a patient lacks the protein, and in our case, our patients lack 50% of the protein, it's a haploinsufficient 
uh, protein, uh, where one allele, it's autosomal dominant, so we have one, it doesn't matter which allele is messed up on the gene, when it's not making protein, it's, you're just not making the protein, are only making 50% on the good allele. Um, they present with intellectual disability, mild to severe, it's a spectrum disorder, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, we've learned now that uh, anywhere from 97, if not 100%, have some type of epilepsy, probably an abnormal EEG. Um, 85% of our patients present with absence seizures, if not a combination of seizures with myoclonic uh, type seizures, drop seizures. Um, we have reflex seizures. We found uh, that the, the patient group, uh, and of course the other sister groups that we have all over the world, have have put their own little groups together for mm-hmm. research, and they've come up. You know, the German. Uh, patients put together a group and worked with the scientists there and they came up with a brand new type seizure a chewing mm-hmm. seizure uh, that's uh, uh, triggered by chewing uh, so we have the seizure component uh, sensory processing is another mm-hmm. issue they have hypotonia mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our kids actually before they're genetically tested uh, present with a little bit of CP what, what, what doctors would consider cerebral palsy mm-hmm. uh, mild to severe some of our kids are in wheelchairs some of our kids have G-tubes because they, they, they just don't have the muscle tone, muscle capacity to swallow. Cord, muscle coordination problems. They have a lot of GI problems. Constipation mm-hmm. is a bad, bad thing. We have a lot of behavior problems. I mean, if you were to, if you were to put our children on mm-hmm. the autism spectrum, they would probably be at the very end with, you know, the meltdowns, mm-hmm. uh, the one, you know, ones that throw themselves on a floor on, in a grocery yeah. store. Uh, can't transition anywhere. You, you know, you, you really do walk on eggshells. I mean, it's like, what am I going to do to set them off? I mean, that's how you live. It, it, I believe that fam, you know, families that, that deal with this kind of stuff probably suffer a little bit of PTSD. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, really. I mean, you are always on guard. They're impulsive. Our house is like a fortress. You got to make sure that they can't get out. They, they will climb. Uh, they have no fear. Um, uh, they're not going to respond to pain. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, well, my son walked around four days with a broken finger and we oh, had no, no oh, idea until his finger started turning black. Wow. And we were actually, I thought it was marker from school. Oh, wow. And I felt like a terrible mother. I had no idea. Brought mm-hmm. him, x-rayed it and he was fractured. Wow. I was like, oh my God. We don't even really know how he did it. Yeah. I don't remember tears. I don't remember crying. Yeah. So how could you know? Yeah. It's so scary because it's sort of like there's the stuff that you can predict and then there's the stuff that you can't predict because mm-hmm. like they're not, they mm-hmm. aren't responding to pain. Right. To yep. let you know. And, and another big issue is sleep. Yeah. Our kids do not sleep. Oh dear. Uh, they don't fall into REM sleep. They have very short cycles of REM sleep. And, you know, when I finally got, got Beckett's diagnosis of, of epilepsy, the doctor kind of goes, okay, we're going to do a sleep study if it will shut you up. I'm like, yes, do a sleep study. I don't care if the insurance doesn't pay for it. You know, I took a loan out actually mm-hmm. for the, for our genetic testing we had. It was like $13,000 wow. in, in 2012 because wow. the insurance would only cover mm-hmm. a portion of it because mm-hmm. it was still for research at Exxon way back, way back. I should mm-hmm. say way back then, but, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, he, he had 16 seizures from midnight to 6am. Oh my word. Oh, wow. I had no idea. And, and that's when we realized, oh, my gosh. And so now we're looking at all the different things uh, that go on with our children and these symptoms. Because without sleep, you can't function. No. Yeah. That affects the whole family, too. Uh, You're does. trying to be a caretaker and they're exhausted. Oh, I, re- I remember calling the doctor when he was an infant and just crying. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, please let me give him some Benadryl. 
please let me. I said, I, I haven't had sleep for 36 hours. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. I need to sleep. I was just bawling. And, and, and my pediatrician said, okay, give him a, a, a like a quarter, you know, five milliliters, not five milliliters, maybe three and a half or something milliliters of Benadryl, um, which actually rever- it was a reverse. It was like, it just made him hyper. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> wow. So I mean, those are the those are the things that our families deal with, and you know, and it's hard on the siblings. He's a twin, and oh. um, and uh, so you know, mm-hmm. and another thing is 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 uh, she's in a, a control arm in several of the studies. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And and she is really proud of herself to give blood, uh, especially when the doctor looked at her and said, you know. Your little seven vials of blood could help millions. Yeah. And just to see her face just light up to know. Because it's hard. I mean. Especially they're young, right? Yeah. They're they're 11 and a half. Yeah. 11 and a half. Almost 12. It'll be 12 in May. Um, But it's all, you know, you hear from her, Mommy, why why does he get all the attention? And you have to explain, you know, we, we love you. No matter what, and we're mm-hmm. gonna, you know, you have to have those special moments, yeah. you know. I, you know, in a way, it's a good thing and a bad thing, but she hates to shop. I'm like, why don't you come shop with me? I don't want to go shopping. <laughs> I guess that's a good thing for me, but <laughs> but she uh, is uh, definitely, uh, she's definitely her brother's keeper. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. They still have sibling rivalry, though. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but um, but it is. It's been um, it's been a life life changer yeah. for us. So. Also, can you tell us, before we go, could you tell us a little bit about Beckett? Um. Sure, sure. Oh, my goodness. My shirtless Beckett. He, the first thing, he is, um, he is a little boy, loves music. Uh, he is, you know, you know, as he, he's matured and he's grown up, uh, he used mm-hmm. to not want to be bothered by people, but now he's become this cuddled little Aww. cuddle bug. <laughs> Um, he has got a sense of humor uh, that you normally, you know, he, he's for the most part, he's, he's nonverbal, verbal a little bit, um, you know, or, and that would be another symptom. But he he definitely has a sense of humor, um, <laughs> little oppositional defiant. Uh, when you tell him to leave his sister alone, he, he'll he'll actually go and he'll reach over on the couch with his big toe and touch her with his big toe <laughs> just to just to egg her on and. Um, but he loves horses. He 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 loves being a helper. Aww. He loves to cook. Wow! You know I, he's in the life skills class at school, and uh, he does his best to try to help and 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 mm-hmm. making stuff in the kitchen. Um, it's come to the point where now we can bring him to the movies. Ooh, I nice. never thought I would ever be able to bring him out in public and. We brought him to the movies uh, for the first time, I guess, maybe a couple months ago. What had, movie did you see? It was a Frozen. It was the autism, uh, you know, theater oh, they, style yeah. they had where they low lights, the mm-hmm. sensory friendly, uh, nice. and they lowered the sound. And he did, you know, he, he got up a couple of times, which is okay. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he, he uh, you know. He, he did well. I can now take him to the grocery store with me. Loves to shop. He loves to unload the, the grocery cart. Loves animals. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he is definitely Beckett. And he's got a harem of girls that follow him <laughs> at school. He does. He's a little blonde-haired, blue-eyed little boy. And he's got this little harem of girls that he 
I'm like, boy, you're spoiled. You do anything for yourself. And they, because they do everything for him. Oh, back it, back it. Loves the fire department. We we go and visit the fire trucks. He, his his portrait actually is hanging in their firehouse. Wow. So <laughs> we've had some scares where they've called and they've got a rescue dog. And, uh, you know, because, you know, our kids get out. But mm-hmm. he, he's a wanderer. But um, he's known in the neighborhood, you know. So he's just, uh, he's easygoing most of the time. Yeah. I'm not saying that the meltdowns aren't bad because mm. he's getting bigger. <laughs> but uh, but he's just, uh, he's my boy. He's my Aww. baby. <laughs> and for parents who are maybe listening to this and think seeing a lot of similarities in their own child, mm-hmm. would you say, of course, visit Bridge the Gap website? But mm-hmm. um, And then you would suggest if they suspect their child may have this to seek genetic testing. Absolutely. This is the only way to detect whether or not they have the mutation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are there, they, I you know I know that behind the seizure uh, with the BioMRN and and several of the other companies like Invite and things like that uh, offer free if they have onset uh, seizures, mm-hmm. uh, you can get free genetic testing through that program behind the seizure up into the age of eight. Oh wow, wonderful! So from birth to eight, and I would definitely go for the whole genomic testing. If you can get the whole genomic testing, do do it all, not just a panel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, and check out our website, yeah. www.bridgesengap.org. Uh, you guys are on Facebook. Yes, we are on Facebook. I'm everywhere. Okay. Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram. LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> and also reach out to me. I, I mm-hmm. am I'm more than happy to answer questions uh, and uh, give more information. Uh, we have our new resource guide that's going to be coming out uh, hopefully this week (laughs) and um, a lot more information. So I'm I'm really excited about everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Go check out the website, check out their social (laughs) and tune in next time.